there's this ongoing conversation about remote work. And a lot of people feel like the jury's out. Some people love it. Some people don't love it. And if you want to think about what's happening now and one of the greatest shifts for society, it really has to do with remote work. And really here at Wise Up, our goal is to talk about the working world in a way that perhaps surfaces how people are finding meaning with it. You know, how are we fulfilling our social needs with it? And remote work not only gives us the opportunity to help us develop as individuals and engage in different ways, but I think we're looking at remote work too small. There is a bigger implication about remote work that this week's guest, Darren Murph, and I get into. And I want to be clear, this is beyond logistics, this conversation around remote work. This is about the benefits from a socioeconomic perspective about remote work. This is about enabling people to engage more with society, their communities, with their families through remote work. And that's why I think we're looking at it in a smaller way in terms of, you know, am I engaging with my coworkers well enough? I think it's bigger than that. And so does Darren Murph. So let's talk about remote work, super relevant for right now, lot of questions. We get into some pretty, pretty deep uh, things about remote work. Enjoy. C-Suite Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Christina DiGiacomo, and welcome to Wise Up with Christina. Today's guest I'm really excited about. His name is Darren Murph, and he is the head of remote for GitLab. And Darren works at the intersection of culture, process, hiring, employer branding, marketing, communication, all that really great stuff that makes companies actually function. He is right in the thick of it, and I have been seeing him making the rounds, spreading the word about remote, and we'll get into a little bit more about what that is in a moment. He's spent his career leading remote teams and is actually the driver of the idea of remote transformations. Again, we'll get into that in a minute. He holds a Guinness World Record in publishing and authored GitLab's Remote Playbook and Living the Remote Dream, a guide to seeing the world, setting records, and advancing your career. I am so pleased to welcome Darren Murph to Wise Up. How are you? Thank you so much for the opportunity, the platform, that very gracious intro. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for for being here. Uh, You are definitely one of those people who I feel are extremely thoughtful in your category. 
And I want people to understand and get a sense of what I mean by that by just asking you if you could just briefly kind of go over your mission uh, regarding remote work. Uh, and because I think it's very deep. Uh, so please share that with us. Yeah, it is. And to give some context here, uh, I work at GitLab. We are the world's largest all remote company. So we have over 1,200 people in more than 65 countries with no company owned offices. And we were remote from inception. The first three employees were in three different countries. So we were remote by default. And we've been able to scale that by being very intentional about documenting and making sure that our culture was rooted in our values, not in other things like office decor, kind of the usual suspects on that front. And I myself have worked across the spectrum of remote for my entire career. So uh, almost 14 years now, I started before 3G telephony was invented. So it was really, really hard to work remotely. Back in the day, we have come a long way. And I've worked in hybrid remote uh, environments where a subset of the employee base goes into the office and a subset does not. And now at GitLab, an all remote company. So I've seen a lot of evolution of of uh, working remotely and working in unconventional ways. And for me, it's it's very personal. I'm able to live in a rural part of the United States close to family. Uh, my wife and I adopted a newborn at birth in 2018 and being able to have him near family and just surround him with love and a life that would not be possible if we had to move to an urban center uh, and commute to work 3,000 miles away from family. Fundamentally, that is is so important to me. And I think everyone that can work remotely deserves the opportunity to consider integrating work into their life instead of allowing their life to be dictated around whatever their work scenario is. And it actually segues really nicely with GitLab's mission, which is everyone can contribute. And GitLab's vision for remote is to help influence and proliferate remote first and all remote companies all around the world because we fundamentally believe it's our responsibility to help in whatever way we can to spread opportunity to underserved areas and to people that have been neglected by the workforce because they are unable or unwilling to move to one of the major urban centers. And it's just been really, really encouraging in recent months. And for context, we're recording this in June of 2020, how much the conversation has democratized. It used to be sort of a taboo topic. Um, maybe only senior leaders were considered for significant remote roles. And all of that has changed practically overnight. And it has been amazing to watch. And I'm uh, actually very heartened and encouraged for what it's going to mean for society down the road. So, wow. <laughs> I just want to take a second. <laughs> because every time I hear you talk about uh, your mission and remote work, First of all, it's a very not it's it's the right point of view, but it's also very unconventional, right? Because you and I have talked about how a lot of the a lot of the narrative around remote work is all around sort of the logistical considerations, the technical considerations. I mean, even with you know with COVID, there was there was the beginnings of the conversation around how people should be interacting on Zoom meetings and creating safe space and and all of that. But here's where I find you just such a huge 
thought leader on this because remote work is not necessarily just a consideration for an organization. It is a socioeconomic consideration. It is a rebalancing of the working system to be more equitable and give people more opportunities to have work. And that is where I think you are light years ahead of anyone out there sort of espousing the remote work gospel, which I still think is great that anyone is doing that, that good work. But where it becomes really meaningful is when you're thinking about the lives that it impacts from an economic standpoint, from a social standpoint, from an equitable standpoint, um, and so, you know, that's why I appreciate where, where you're coming from. And so, you know, we talked about the notion of, you know, one of the principles in your remote playbook is working without borders. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Borders being beyond geography. It's beyond a lot of the lines and, and uh, you know, barriers and boundaries that people have to bump up against. And so I just, you know, wanted to ask you to share your thoughts on the notion of uh, working without borders. Yeah, so much of this has been dictated by traditions that we now no longer have to be beholden to. You can decouple geography and the results that your business drives. And that is a short statement, but it is incredibly powerful. And it's rare to see a concept so big, be so universally positive and a win for so many people. A lot of, a lot of people look at the, the concept of remote work and think, okay, who loses in this scenario? But as I break it down, I really don't see any, any losers. When you look at the individuals, they're empowered to choose to work where they're most fulfilled. If that's a small or mid-sized community, if that's going back home, wherever home is to them, if it's changing locations every month, uh, if you live a nomadic life, this is the most inclusive way to work. It allows companies to hire the world's best talent, regardless of where they are, and it allows people to create workspaces, whether that's in their home, a co-working space, a different place every week, that is most amenable to them being highly productive at work. It also significantly de-risks a business. If you decouple geography from results, then you're more resilient to future crises because your business isn't determined by what happens in a specific geographic location. And even in major cities that are benefiting tax-wise from having a lot of people there to work, a lot of them are under strain and under duress. You look at a place like San Francisco that has a massive housing crisis and a massive public service crisis on its hands. They'll actually be relieved if a lot of people choose to go work elsewhere because they're already breaking under the current pressure. And I've even heard some people say, well, what's going to happen to skyscrapers if they aren't filled with office workers? The truth is after COVID, you're going to have to spend millions of dollars re-architecting what an office looks like just to maintain social distance. So if you're going to invest the money, you might as well convert it into an apartment and help solve the housing crisis in one fell swoop. So all the way around, I think that remote opens up new possibilities. Remote equals flexibility. And flexibility is not a bad thing. Flexibility in business is a great thing. Flexibility in life is a great thing. And I, I think there's far more positives than there are negatives. And I'm actually looking forward to the second and third order effects of this, which we can dive into, where people, they actually 
reimagine what life can look like when their career becomes portable. That's going to be very, very powerful for people that take advantage of that. Well, excellent. Uh, and you know, you, you bring up an interesting point because I was actually thinking about this uh, a while ago, which w- would be like, if I could, if I could live somewhere else, you know, where would I want to go? And I just had this vision of a, maybe not all at once, but some sort of, you know, massive like migration within the United States to places and towns that, you know, could use maybe some more people could use their own economy um, that really could, could use a renaissance of, of people moving to those places and establishing roots in, in those places. And so, you know, for, for me, I would think one of the wonderful things that could come out of this is the, a revitalization of places that really have not been served or, you know, need, need people, uh, you know, yeah. the other, th- go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that rural depopulation is a massive issue that is rarely talked about. You have towns across the world that have had their cultures and tax bases eroded because people have had no choice, but to flee to major urban centers. And what's happening on the other end of that is these major urban centers are also having their roots watered down because people come to live there and they don't necessarily have ties there. So they're not as invested in the long-term viability of this place. They simply use it as a, a bed to commute to a job that just so happens to be in that city. So in this case, both towns are losing. The town that gains the person is losing on the culture front. The town that loses the person is losing on the culture front. And what I think is so powerful about this from a municipal standpoint is for many years, the only way to significantly bolster a tax base in a town is to work out some corporate deal where a company comes in, they build a skyscraper and they bring however many jobs to the town. But going forward, town leads will be able to ask themselves, what could we do if we built a town that was the most livable town in the world? when we considered how close grocery stores were to downtown walking centers, when we considered what our medical facilities were, when we considered how many green spaces, public green spaces we had. And then we make it the most livable place ever so that people come here and bring the jobs with them. This is a complete rethinking of how you structure an economic tax base. And you look at initiatives like the state of Vermont and as well as Tulsa Remote, where they've actually had incentives for remote workers to come and live in a place that doesn't have skyscrapers. And it has been amazingly successful. And this was before COVID. This was before the world's attention was on remote. This was still a relatively small sliver of the population that has somehow engineered a way for their job to be remote, which make no mistake, pre-COVID was really difficult. You really had to lobby for this. A lot of jobs aren't advertised as remote, so you have to make your case for it on a one-by-one basis. The efficiency of having this conversation democratized where people are going to walk into job interviews and at the very first screening call, they can ask an HR rep, what's your stance on workplace flexibility? And they're going to expect that company to answer. This is going to be a a huge catalyst for remote being the norm instead of the exception. 
Thank you for that incredible answer. You know, I, I think that I never thought about the impact to urban planning or the sort of the municipal layer of things uh, with regards to remote. I was just thinking like, oh, look at all the people who would you know, populate these towns, yep. my, my own little simpleton language, but thank you. That was so educational and informative um, of an answer. So speaking of norms, let's shift gears a little bit to, you know, I think some of the changes that we will be seeing and experiencing in terms of workplace norms and professional norms. You know, we talked about how remote work is kind of dismantling and deconstructing the notion of silos. And there's these professional norms that are starting to erode, I, I think, to the sense of more of a formality, the, the sensibility of formality. Um, there's a whole, I, you know, people are kind of okay where, you know, if the kids are in the room and kind of pulling right. on your pant leg, yep. like there's this, be, there's becoming this blending of personal and professional, but also inter-organizationally, uh, the breakdown of some of the rigid, rigid, rigidity and the uh, siloed structures. And so I was wondering if we can kind of get into that a little bit and for you sure. your thoughts about that. For sure. I think what you see happening is remote is humanizing the work experience in a big way. So while people were once embarrassed about begging to work from home for a day and then their dog barks on a conference call, that's completely normal now. Everyone understands that when you go work from a place that is also your home, you can't expect perfect silence. It's not a perfectly sterile environment, and that's totally okay. It reminds us that we're humans first and colleagues second. The other thing is it's forcing teams to really look at their communication workflows. It's really, it's forcing teams to ask themselves what communication gaps exist, what communication silos exist that we've sort of been band-aiding a solution to by this ad hoc series of meetings to keep everyone, quote unquote, in the loop, which is not a very effective and efficient way to work. And remote is bringing that to light and giving people permission to change the way they communicate and do work, which they should have done years ago, but never made time for it. And so now is the perfect pause to make time to do things like that. And in some ways, this isolation is bringing people a lot closer together because they have to be intentional about engaging in work communication. They have to be intentional about informal communication. But you can't just grab an ad hoc uh, coffee in the lobby or ad hoc dinner after work. You really have to plan these things in. And in GitLab, we have uh, dozens of ways from virtual scavenger hunts to talent shows to trivia sessions uh, to coffee chats. All of these things are fairly easy to implement, but you have to have a people group that is deliberate about doing it and giving people an atmosphere and a culture to connect with, with each other when you don't have the usual office norms. But I think people are adapting to it really well. Um, I've been really proud of humanity, how, how strongly we've uh, taken to this, even in even in suboptimal conditions, people have figured remote out in a big way. And collectively, I think we're all getting better at it day after day. And I, I love to see the iteration that's happening. And I think we'll look back a year from now and say, wow, we've, we've come a long way. We were pushed into a situation that we never saw coming, but 
look at what we did. Look at how we rallied around each other and then created new ways to build relationships as a team and also be more flexible and understanding of each other as humans. Well said. And, you know, I, I feel that the situation remote, the remote work dynamic or approach allowed us to be more human. It was the conduit that allowed us to continue to search for connection and to be able to find a way to continue working um, and to collaborate. Our natural state is cooperation. That is the innate human nature of, you know, that's who we are and we will be undaunted in being able to do that pandemic or damned and remote offered us a way it offered us a direction uh to be able to continue to connect with one another um in 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 so many ways and you know the other thing and i just you know want and it's just so perfect that this is the sort of the last thing i wanted to touch on with you regarding you know what actually needs to occur in order for change to happen and a big truth was revealed in all of this um the truth was that we are human beings and that there is humanity exists but okay. you also have uh a philosophy around truth and change. And I would love for you to share that with us. Yeah. So for companies that have transitioned to remote and you want to make sure that this becomes a core part of your operational and talent strategy going forward, I would really recommend keeping the executives out of the office. Even if you can go back to the office, people will follow as they're led. And if they see their executives immediately go back to the office, they'll recognize that that is the center of power and they're going to have this conflict of, well, am I going to be supported in remote? Can I really reimagine what my life can be? Or should I continue to commute to the office for the sake of my career? So for leaders out there, do not underestimate the power of what you do and try to keep yourselves away from the office. Some people are going to want to go back to the office. That's fine. But leaders have an outsized impact on how people evaluate that. Personally, I think what's very interesting about this moment in time is that for years, people have filled their social quota with work relationships. If you walked up to someone and asked them, hey, who are you? Nine times out of 10, they would answer with a job title. And that, that's really interesting because aren't we fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and neighbors first? Why does our job title have to define who we are? And especially in North America, I feel like we have veered way too far in that direction of letting work define us and work becomes our identity. And in this moment of forced isolation, it is really giving people a moment to consider that ratio and ask themselves, is it healthy? And out, out of this pandemic, I really do believe people are going to still want to get amazing relationships out of work. Don't get me wrong but they're going to reevaluate the ratio of their social quota. And they're going to ask themselves, what about my family? What about my neighbors? What about 
community opportunities that I've been overlooking because I've just been so fixated on the relationships at work? What, what have I let decay because I've been so fixated on my identity as it applies to work? I think this is really healthy. It's going to be jarring and disorienting for a lot of people, but great things come from friction and great things come from forced moments of pause and change. And I think that workplaces in general are going to be much stronger and much more diverse if you encourage people to engage in their community, engage with their family. Don't worry about them not paying enough attention to work. Actually encourage them to fill that social quota from outside of work because all of those experiences will make them more diverse, more understanding, more empathetic, and that will pour back into the company. I don't know that we could have accomplished this short of a major crisis like this. Uh, So I do think that is one major silver lining that's going to come. Darren, so rich. I mean, I almost feel like it's not even just a vision for remote that you shared with us, but a vision for our future. And I appreciate that so much. And I'm so grateful. And thank you for your intellect. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your heart. And thank you for sharing, you know, your wisdom with us, really. Thank you for helping us wise up. Absolutely, Christina. This is my favorite topic. It's near and dear to my heart, very personal. And I do hope that people who are listening that are in this remote transition, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to pause, to do things differently, to reevaluate who you are in your relationship to work and make a lot of positive change on the other side of it. And for leaders that are listening, this is a seminal moment as well. How you respond to this, how you transition back, what remote looks like in your organization going forward, it's going to fundamentally define who you are and how people relate to you and your um, overall employee experience and, and talent retention. It, it all, it all connects in a, in a fundamentally important way. So thank you again for the platform. And um, for anyone listening that wants to connect further, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd be happy to chat. Please follow Darren. Please follow Darren. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.